0: Listen. Welcome to Unplugged, the Moose Podcast. You're stable for authentic information and unbridled fun. And now, your host Grandmaster Mo. Welcome to Unplugged, the Mo Usman podcast, episode one. Now, the reason for this podcast is the fact that we need to echo out everything as regarding society and culture of Kano State and the North at large. Just trying to get it out there, change the narrative, broaden our horizon, basically. And to start up this podcast in relation to what has actually happened. Recently in Kano, I have with me Salihu Yakase, special advisor, media to the governor and founding curator, Global Shapers, community of the World Economic Forum. It's a pleasure to have you with me again.
1: Pleasure as well as mine. My...
0: Now, the cool thing, the cool thing about salihu is, uh, for those of us on social media, we know him as Dawisu, is the fact that whenever you call upon him, he is ever listening. Like, I think I sent you a message... Two nights ago, and then this morning, as soon as you were online, I got a response and we're here. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome stuff. And he didn't even actually have an issue that this is my first episode for this podcast. He's actually looking forward to it after listening to what we have to do as far as this podcast is concerned. Now, I actually want us to talk about some of the stuff that actually happened in Kano. Off the back of the banning for the begging banning. And then there is also this whole coronavirus thing, amongst other things that have happened in Kano. As far as even talking about some of the things that have been said. We've seen images on social media about some form of appointments that uh, i would also like for us to get clarity on last we spoke whilst i was still working on radio at my former radio station we, we spoke about a host of things we talked about education we also looked at health as far as security is concerned now I, I would just like for us to talk about security because just in our neighboring state recently about 30 people were killed again reportedly 50 were killed reportedly uh, i just wanted to know what Kano state is doing in that regard to ensure that we do not get this thing happening or this thing comes here and then it blows out of proportion like it has done in other northwestern western states and of course north-eastern states. Yeah.
1: I think uh, to, to put it a context where people can understand uh, the, situation, the insecurity situation in the northeast in particular and then northwest where we are at the moment, uh, Kano is almost all the states surrounding Kano. Uh, in in, in one form of insecurity or another, deadly one for that matter. And uh, as God will have it, uh, thanks to his uh, intervention, divine intervention, uh, Kano is the only state that has been uh, peaceful, not just in the Northwest or in the North, but in the country at large, Kano is one of the most peaceful state in Nigeria. Well, this did not happen overnight. It did Mm. not just happen by coincidence. You know, there are a number of things that uh, are at play here. One of the most important ones is God's intervention. You know, every day people are praying that uh, God will continue to keep us safe. And alhamdulillah, he has been answering our prayers and we are relatively peaceful and continue to be so, inshallah. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is the behind the scenes work that is going on by the administration of His Excellency Dr Abla Umar Kanduji. There seems to be a lot of coordination between the security agencies. We do not have rivalry between our security formation and the state. There seems to be coordination and collaboration between them. There is an executive, there is an uh Uh, Security Council meeting, which His Excellency chairs himself, and all the security agencies are are, are part of that meeting. And it has been expanded to include the Emirate Council, so that we have uh, representatives, sometimes even the Amias, the five uh, first class Amias that we have in Kanu to participate in this uh, Security Council, expanded Security Council meeting, so as to be able to discuss together in harmony. Uh, the security challenges that are facing the state. This is yielding a very uh, good result because there is no rivalry and as such there is cooperation. Nobody in the security agencies feel as if uh, uh, he is being challenged by the other. No, they work together in harmony and this is producing good result. The second thing is that there seems to be a lot of uh, effort by the state government to assist. Uh, the security agencies in providing their basic needs to ensure that the, they keep the people uh, safe and sound. Of course, we know that primarily security, sc- the security, sc- security lives and property lies with the federal government. It's their responsibility because they have, they are in charge of the army, the military entirely, the police, and what have you. But of course, we know that the resources uh, are needed for for the security formation to be up and running is enormous, mm-hmm. and as such, there is need for the state government to to to, to assist the federal government in the, in in this regard. Mm-hmm. And that is why the state government has constructed a number of facilities for the police, including uh, an, a, a communication, state-of-the-art communication centre, mm-hmm. where uh, at one time the, during the inspection of that centre, His Excellency was able to see live on video. Uh, the one of the DPOs in the outskirts of the, of the town along Dogwa axis which is about two hours away from the Kano city yeah. and they were able to communicate with that DPO and instructions was given to the, to him and, and as such that center is, is, is very very one of the most important centers that we have for uh, for the monitoring uh, of security situations in, in Kano so also the provision of uh, vehicles to or the different uh, Strata of the security forces in Kano and many more things that uh, perhaps are not are not uh, uh, are not uh, for the public consumption. Mm-hmm. But one important uh, thing that I will add is the purchase of a vehicle tracking vehicle a tracker okay. that is extremely expensive, uh, running into hundreds of millions, uh, which the state government procured for the state security uh, agent. And this tracker, it's uh, it's it's being used. To, to to track um, kidnappers in particular, uh, and then other uh, criminals. And what they do is that, from if they're able to capture one, okay. you know, from his phone, they will be able to uh, trace back uh, other people that he was able to contact, other his uh, co-conspirators, mm. and that, and so it leads to more and more. Uh, arrests yeah. as, as a result of this. It's one of the only vehicles that we have in in, in the country, owned okay. by state, okay. and uh, it has been deployed not just uh, for the purpose of Kano alone, mm-hmm. but also in other neighboring states uh, by by the federal government to assist in 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 the tracking of uh, hardcore criminals. Okay. Then one final aspect that I want, which is very very crucial, is intelligence gathering. Okay. We, we in Kano, the government of uh, Dr. Abla Omar Ganduja pay premium uh, 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 amount of uh, 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 input or respect to information gathering at the, at the, at the, at the local level. Mm. Any information that is available is being made to, to the security agencies. They take it seriously. And they check its credibility, and they act on it. Okay. We do not wait for something to happen before we, we, we act. No, we are rather proactive, and we always try to ensure that we get to the root of it. You know, at the at the at the, at the initial stage, mm. before even they go to the to, to, to the extent of executing their their evil acts. Okay. So intelligence gathering is one of the key things that is helping Kenyan state in terms of uh, securing uh, the state.
0: Okay, all right, wonderful. Now, th- there's also, because you, you brought this up, um, the harmonious relationship that it requires to have with uh, uh, other uh, security outfits as well as the Emirate Council. I-, I would like to get to that in a bit, talking about the Security Council, uh, the Emirate Council yeah. and the state government. But before then, uh, you also, since we're talking security now, let's move down to the banning of al yes. uh, The begging. Actually, because there's this misconception that it's actually um, the Almagery is being banned or whether it is begging in its totality that it's being banned in a way to... Is, is it like a step towards the total banning of Almagery? No. Okay.
1: Why should you ban Almagery when they are an integral part of the system of uh, education, particularly the Islamic system of education that we have been seeing, even before the coming of Western education, even before the coming of colonial masters, you know? The northern part of Nigeria, globally, is known for its rich uh, Islamic heritage. You know, people, since the days of Osman Denghoudio, will produced great scholars, Islamic scholars, that have gone on to become uh, renowned globally. So this is the system that produced them. What happened is that, is that along the line, the al system of education got bastardized by the introduction of this uh, begging which is not part of the real uh, al system. My own father, Alejitanku Yakase, who is about 95 years old now, was once, at, uh, when he was a kid, he was an Almajiri. He went to Haradawa village, Haradawa town in present-day Bauchi state, and that is where he did his study in Sangaya, in the Sangaya system of education, where he studied his own Quran and, and other uh, religious uh, studies. Okay. And today he is, uh, he is a renowned, Uh, is well versed in the Quran and others. So the system in itself is very, very good and it should be standardized. And that is where the issue of banning of street begging uh, uh, is done by the state government. And the whole idea is that we, according to the data available by UNICEF, that in Kano alone, we have about 1,090,000 out of school children. And the significant percentage of that out of school children are the Almagiris. And under the Almagiris, we have uh, a different categorization. There are those that are that are within a very big uh, Islamia or Sangaya school, uh, like the one we recently visited in Kura local government. Mm-hmm. It has over 4,000 students, 4,000 students, Almagiri students, that are domiciled. They have a, 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 a their own dormit- uh, dormit- uh, dormitories where they, where they live and do their studies there, okay. they are stationed there. And recently an international NGO came and donated uh, building structure for their, for their accommodation and also uh, classroom, additional classrooms. Now that type of, uh, we have that type of classification of the Almagiri system of education. We also have the smaller ones where they don't have uh, uh, adequate places for them to accommodate them but so so the some some of them go out on the street and beg and come back and sleep in not so comfortable uh condition yeah about that one yes before before the third classification which is the dangerous one are those that are just roaming the street with no they do not go to the formal education primary schools that we have and they don't go to the conventional uh, Sangaya system of education that we have so they are the dangerous ones that are roaming the street not doing anything not being productive basically an animal running on the street now that does the dangerous uh, a type of almadjuri that, uh, that, uh, that we have. And uh, this is one of the reasons why the street begging is banned, so that we can find a way of accommodating them or providing for them, taking care of, 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 of uh, some of their needs and uh, integrating them back into the
0: society fully okay talking standardization is it the government deci- uh, wants to uh, maybe partner with some of the, the malams that um, handle the sangayas or is it um, a holistic maybe uh, setting up a committee or setting up a ministry or putting them on that ministry of education to help standardize their system because just like you mentioned there are three types of al-margery the dangerous ones that roam about and then the smaller ones and then the larger ones much like the one the governor visited but then how many in the, in the we do not know how many they are in the first place or do we yeah we do okay we do know how many they are uh the big ones or inclusive of the small ones as well yes, yes. all right wonderful now there have also been reports it has been alleged that some of these malams go as far as abusing these kids. Mm. Not just physical abuse, but as far as sexual abuse. Uh, I don't know what the government has been able to do in that regard or if it is actually looking at doing anything.
1: Yes. Well, uh, first of all, let me say that uh, in the first tenure, actually at the beginning of the first tenure of His Excellency Dr. Abdullah Umar Ganduji, he set up um, what we call the Islamia Sangaya and Quranic Schools Management Board. Now, this agency, just like the Senior Secondary Schools Management Board, where the State Universal Basic Education Board, SUBEB, where these agencies are responsible for primary schools, secondary schools, as the case may be. Now, this one, the Sanghaia Islamia and Quranic Schools Management Board is responsible for, first of all, getting the actual data of all the schools in Kanu. That is how we are able to get uh, a lot of this data. And not just that, but also regulate uh, the activities of this type of uh, schools whereby if you are going to set up a new Almajuri school now in Kano you have to go through that agency okay. to ensure proper registration to ensure that the government is aware of you being there and the, uh, the, the details that you have and and then to take it a bit further currently the state government is taking statistics of this Almagiris individual one okay. by one. Okay. You know, they're taking the name, age, uh, state of origin, num- name of the school, uh, the Sangaya school that the kid is attending, and the name of his Alarama. All this data, the whole idea of this data is to be able to, uh, to, first of all, plan mm-hmm. what the state government intervention is going to be. And there are a number of interventions that the state has has rolled out. One of them is just like we have the school feeding program by the federal government where one primary, one to three pupils are being fed. And the state government is complementing that by feeding primary four to six in Kano State at least. Then the state governor said that, okay, why don't we extend this feeding program to the Sangaya schools? And that is why he, he introduced sangaya feeding, sangaya schools feeding program, okay. whereby a number of uh, 1,000 um, of, of this type of schools. First of all, there are 13,000 uh, islamia schools that have been registered so far. Okay. Yeah, they are still capturing uh, the, the the remaining ones, but what okay. the, the, 13,000 of them have been registered so far. Now, 1,000 have been selected as pilot cases, whereby interventions, food interventions, are being given to. To this alarama, so that to, 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 because one of the reasons this the alarama said that they allow these kids to go out begging is to find something to eat because they cannot cater for them, their parents are not sending anything, and, and of course, whether, whether it's legitimate or not, you understand, is a topic for another day, but that's okay. one of the major reasons. So the government is saying that okay, why don't we uh, give some sort of incentives so that at least they will be able to. Uh, not go out begging for food, mm-hmm. if that's the primary reason why they go out on the streets. And the second thing is that, okay, they are studying Quran and uh, other components of the uh, religious uh, knowledge. Why don't we introduce uh, basic uh, numeracy and literacy to these type of uh, schools? Okay. And that is why the state government has employed, uh, uh, employed uh, 8,000 new teachers just two weeks ago. Okay. where letters of employment were issued to a thousand new teachers. And these are qualified teachers with the required uh, educational qualification to teach. They are going to teach English, maths and general studies and they will be posted to these uh, Islamia schools just to be able to integrate the education at least uh, with these three key subjects that I, that I mentioned. But the third aspect, the third intervention that the state government is doing, is to uh, to, to to build or to open mega almajiri boarding schools. With three pilot ones that are going to take effect from uh, in one in each of the senatorial zones. Okay. Just this Sunday, two days ago, His Excellency visited these three uh, pilot uh, pilot boarding almajiri schools. One, the one in Fokono North. Sanatoria zone mm-hmm. is at Baguai local government in a town called Kiawa, okay. then the one for Kano central is at a town called Kamwa, okay. here is Kamwa in Madobu local government, and then the third one in Kano south uh, Sanatorial zone is at uh, Bunkura local government. Okay. These are mega schools where they will be able to accommodate thousands at the full capacity, they will be able to accommodate thousands of these magistrates, one school. Will be able to, they will be able to accommodate between three to four thousand when it's fully up and running. But now we are starting with a few hundreds to see how that will play out. And, and, and the whole idea is if, they, if the state um, uh, starts with this and monitors how successful it is, then can, it can be able to replicate it. Uh, maybe opt down to uh, local government level where you have these type of schools that, especially those type of dangerous students that are not in any school. You know, can be accommodated. And as also, it's not just boarding school for only those that are in the school.
0: Mm.
1: You know, other kids in the locality, because it's in the rural area, so other kids in those, um, in those, the vicinity of these schools can also uh, uh, join in and attend, uh, do, even if it means they come, day and leave, go back to their parents' house. All so right. these are some of the few interventions uh, that the state government is doing.
0: Okay, then not i believe that there's a strategy to deal with the high level you know amount of out of school children by this Almajiri program that's been initiated by the government and also the free education policy by his excellency yes there is still the issue of the standard of learning much like the Almajiri school we keep talking about the standards yes and right here in Kano the public schools yes. are crying there are multiple reports of a lack of standard. There's also the issue of training and retraining of these said teachers in these schools. What is being done about these? And of course, what about the school infrastructure? Because I've seen some, even on your Twitter timeline, I've seen people asking you questions about some schools with pictures saying their roofs are down and then they do not have yes. chairs in their classrooms. What is being done to address this issue?
1: Well, the decay in the educational sector in Kano State is due to long, uh, long disregard for, for 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 our schools in kind of generally in our educa- education system. Okay. It did not start yesterday. It did not start one year ago. Five years ago. It started a long time ago. There was total neglect of the education sector, and as such, obviously, uh, these uh, structures will be dilapidated. You understand? As of as of as of today. According to the data, I believe, by uh, the statistics uh, by the Ministry of Education, you know, the state government requires over 100 billion Naira to be able to provide the basic needs uh, at the primary level alone. We are talking about uh, the the, the structures, you know, uh, proper wall and and fencing and uh, roofing, you know. We are talking about chairs, desks, talking about other other needs like the laboratories that you have and what have you we are talking about just for that alone over 100 billion naira that the state government does not obviously have so what the state government now is doing is based on this um, report by the ministry of education the state government has employed the services of our education as a professional a consultant to be able to work with the ministry and identify word by word the requirement for each word, you know, in terms of uh, the number of schools, because some of these schools, are, even, some of these classrooms are even overcrowded. Mm. You will have uh, a classroom that is supposed to have not more than 30 to 40 people, and then having over 100. And you can imagine in t- that type of situation, what even knowledge can be impacted, this to these kids. So the state government is trying to know for sure, in one word, what how many classrooms are required to be able to accommodate the children of school age in that particular one so on the local government you're going to have that data and across the board in the state that study is ongoing with the consult with a consultant in collaboration with the ministry of education understand so the whole idea is to get that data and see how uh, 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 this uh, infrastructure can be provided okay They're already uh we have the state government has introduced a new type of uh, block of classroom. You know, the conventional one is that you have one floor. You know, you have the ground floor and then you have another floor and that's what is, what is attainable. But now the government has introduced, due to lack of space, mm-hmm. I introduced multi-story building classrooms okay. where you have two to three floors just so as to be able to accommodate more, uh, more students. Okay. Now, this is already ongoing thanks to the uh, counterpart funding we are getting from UBEC, okay. you know, uh, the state government has always met uh, its own side of the uh, the drive by providing sort own counterpart funding, and then it's the Ubec provides its own to be able to to to, to build more uh, classrooms. Okay. <clears throat> this is the this is the area of, um, of, of of classrooms, but also just recently the state government got a loan uh, <clears throat> of about uh, fifteen billion, I think. Uh, which will be used to finance uh, some of these issues at the local government level. I think each local government level will get uh, between 200 to 300 or 400 million, uh, depending on the size of the local government, where that funds will be used to to, to provide some of this. uh, And then we also have donor agencies, like DFID is doing a lot, in terms of uh, assisting the state government in partnering to provide... Uh, more uh, support uh, to this standard, but then you cannot talk about when you talk about the standard of education. You cannot just talk about the structure without talking about the quality of the teachers. Exactly. One of the things that that is hindering the progress of education in Kano State is lack of welfare for the teachers, and that is why for over ten years promotion of uh, of teachers, primary school teachers, has not been done in Kano. And this is because of the large amount of, uh, uh, large number of the teachers, which translates to high uh, the cost implication in terms of their salary and allowances and what have you. So, previous administrations have, sh- uh, have stayed away from uh, effecting this promotion. Okay. I and mean, you know how, how important this promotion is. You just imagine working uh, uh, without being promoted in your own field of, 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 of work. So, it's, 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 de, 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 it's a d- deterrent to the teachers as well as our person. you know, it hinders uh, their own ability to give their best, you know, to, in, order, in order to teach uh, these kids. So, the state government effected that uh, promotion, which added a wage bill to the state uh, uh, salary, a wage bill of almost half a billion naira monthly. Just that promotion that was respected has added over 400 million naira to the state wage bill. And the state government has been has been paying that. But most importantly is the issue of training. Because uh, well, before, you, before I even get to the issue of training, mm-hmm. there's an issue of qualification. When the administration of his excellency in the first tenure was won in 2015, he realized that there are over 25,000 unqualified teachers.
0: 25,000.
1: 25,000 of them. You know, that's a significant number. And at that time, Kano State had the highest number of unqualified teachers that are teaching in our schools. Now, what we mean by unqualified teachers is that the federal government has said that the minimum certificate, you have to have the minimum requirement of certificate of education before you are allowed to teach. Even if you have masters in English, even if you have PhD in okay. maths. As long as you do not have the minimum requirement to teach, which is certificate in education, you are not qualified to teach. You understand? Okay. So what the state government did is that, that 20, actually 27, the first set of the teachers were 2,000 that were sent back to school okay. uh, in our tertiary institutions in Kano. Okay. Uh, they got their basic, they graduated, you know, and then the state government decided to send back the 25,000 back to school. Be able to get that basic. Some of them did certificate. Some of them did uh, NCE diploma, and so on. Some of them went back to, de- to do degree program. You understand? And now, as I'm talking to you, just at, uh, last year, uh, just prior close to the election, you know, the 25,000 remaining ones out of the 25,000 that uh, finished their and graduated. Okay. And now, Kano has one of the highest uh, number of qualified teachers, uh, at least in northern Nigeria. And so, so you can see how uh, how that has been able to impact positively on the knowledge that, that they're getting, coupled with training, retraining, and teach uh, train the trainers uh, program that has been implemented in general. Okay. So a lot of effort is going in that uh, there's not enough time to be able to dissect them one by one. But we are doing a lot in education. The problem is that it's not something you can be able to see. Mm. It's not like infrastructure where you can see flyovers, yeah. expanded roads and so on and so forth.
0: All right. Well, now that you mentioned infrastructure, let's take a look at that one for, for a bit. There was um, an alleged appointment that was made. Uh, to handle a segment of infrastructure in Kano State. I think I, I, I first saw it on the page of a Nollywood actress, Kate Henshaw, yeah. where she posted an appointment letter of someone who is a, a streetlight special advisor on Streetlights 3. Yes. Uh, I want to know, maybe you could help clarify or maybe ascertain the validity of that said appointment.
1: Yeah, it's very valid. And, and you see, what people don't ten, tend ten, ten to understand is that all politics is local. Okay. You understand? All politics is local. What, what 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 some will see as, as as something bizarre, you know, others see it as very normal. Now to explain the rationale behind uh, this appointment, uh, you know how important Kanu people take the issue of street lights uh, in, in the state. They attach paramount importance to it because of so many uh, reasons. One of them being security. Okay once the streetlights are up and running, you know, the, the areas will be illuminated. And these illuminated areas, you know, you know, people, criminals, and other, what have you, will be find it difficult to operate because it's out in the open. Someone can easily spot them and alert the security forces on what's been done. Mm. So can no people have attached significant amount of, uh, uh, of interest in seeing that the state government uh, the, the state government is doing its bit to ensure that all these lights are, are, are functional and even areas that do not have them, people are yearning for it. I remember at a time when we had issues with uh, some of our generators because it is generators that are powering the streetlights. Yeah. I remember a time when we had issues with that and people were, I am social media, I get to receive all of this feedback, mm-hmm. both positive and negative. So when this, some of these generators were, mal, uh, were malfunctioning, I was the one that was getting bombarded with messages that I was, the street are not working, the darkness, blah, blah, and so on and so forth. So the whole idea is that the Kano metropolitan area has been divided into dif- different uh, segments. Okay, understand. So with each segment there has been uh, 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 a an, 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 an special advisor, special senior you know, special assistant that is in charge of that segment to ensure that. Fuel well, or diesel is being supplied to the generating sets okay. to ensure that these uh, 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 um, street lights are working and uh, doing what uh, up and running in collaboration with the Ministry of Works and, uh, and, and Ministry of Infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You understand? Because they are the, the, the custodian of the, of the project. So, so most, these you know, special assistants, it is the title that reads uh, like that, but they are attached to the to the ministry, and it's to ensure strict supervision and compliance uh, of what needs to be done to ensure everything is up and running. And it is important to note that uh, very soon, uh, the Independent Power Project of the state uh, at Tiga Dam, okay. which will produce about uh, between seven to ten megawatts of electricity in the state, that is what would be used to at night to power the street lights and our water treatment plant. While in the day, uh, that that power, since you're not needed for the street lights, will be sold to uh, uh, some of our uh, industries that have already indicated interest to to, to buy them. Okay. So in the long run, uh, even this issue of uh, generators powering our street lights and developing fault along the line, and we are not being able to see light, will also be addressed.
0: Mm. All right, but let us also, you know, address um, this issue because us on social media, I think that's where we get close to, you know, the government as well as um, other prominent people in the society. Um, Let's talk about the Emirate Council. Now, there was much ado about the whole brouhaha with the state government and the Emirate Council, which has so far been clarified as to reasons why those were done, the Emirates being created and all of that. But there's also this um, seeming, friction between the Kano State Emirate uh, that's um, headed by, of course, His Royal Highness Mohammed San Yusuf II, and the state government. Now, there have also been fingers pointed at you on social media that you have a personal problem with the emir.
1: What do you have to say about this? First of all, let me correct you. He doesn't like it when you say His Royal Highness. Okay. He doesn't doesn't like that royal. You know, he is His Highness and he believes that... uh, uh, no, there is no need to put that uh, royal to it. So His Highness Muhammad Sanusi, uh, the Emir of Kano, that's how he likes his uh, title. But let me, let me, let me say this for the record: that uh, uh, there are a lot of things that are happening which people would not see. Okay. You understand? And some of them, we try to bring them out in the open for people to see the the ones that are a bit obvious so that we justify the reasons behind some of the reactions that that usually comes from the government some of them cannot be said publicly so perhaps maybe if we get a chance to if we have a chance to one-on-one uh, have a conversation we can be able to uh, uh, bring our own side of the story especially those that we cannot say um publicly mm. you know but I think bottom line remains that as as, far as we are talking now, I don't think there's any friction because the reason for the friction in the in the first place is that a state government uh, through the state assembly enacted a bill, which the state assembly passed unanimously, almost unanimously. We have 40 state assembly members in Kano State, mm-hmm. and out of that 40, 39 of them, 39 of them um, voted for the bill. And out of that forty, people keep forgetting that we have about uh, uh, about uh, I think fifteen of them, or thirteen between thirteen to fourteen said assembly members that are of the opposition, the uh, PDP. Okay. So out of that forty, including the PDP and the APC, only one, that of Ungogo, did not vote for that or that bill. So, which means that the majority of the people, and these are representatives of the people, mm-hmm. so which means the majority of the people in Kano State are in support of this new, the creation of these new Emirates, including those in Kano metropolitan area where the Kano Emirate Council is situated. You understand? So, this is one of the things that I really want people to understand. And the reason for the friction in the past is that they are challenging this. The, the creation, this creation of four new emirates, that was done legally by the state assembly and ascended to by the governor. We are not here to play. Mm-hmm. There cannot be. There, if the bill, the bill is presented, there is the only option that you have. If you are not comfortable with that, is to go to court. And if the court said it's, it ruled in your own favor, then the state government has no option but to abide by that law. And we've seen that happen when, when, when some, when some people went to court. <clears throat> Challenging the first bill that was submitted to the State Assembly, you know, the court ruled in that favor. What did the state government do? They said, okay, we are law abiding citizens, we are law abiding government, you know, and accepted that verdict by the state, uh, by the higher court in Kano State. And what they did was they presented a new bill. This time around, we looked at the mistakes that we had done in the first bill and made amends. And this time around, instead of someone presenting the bill to the State Assembly. This time around the Governor himself presented the bill to the State Assembly. It was an executive bill. And that was when it was passed and brought back to the Governor for assent. So you could see that the only option is for them to go to court. And they did. And uh, there's also another case where the kingmakers in Kano went to court. Just last week also, the court said that uh, there's no long for it. Nobody has any legality to challenge the creation of this EMEA because it was done in a proper way, legally, constitutionally binding, and as such, it's here to stay. Okay. Now, for me personally, I do not have any personal uh, 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 squabble with the EMEA. I do not. Okay. You understand? He's a leader. We, we, we feel he is an intellectual with so much to offer. All we are saying is that instead of, he has access, to the governor. Yeah, I know that for sure. And I know how much the governor respects him, especially his, his status in the society. You understand? So what we are saying is that if you have any advice for the governor, come to him. Tell him this is your own advice privately. I know the type of boss that I have. He's someone that listens to us, let alone the emir of Kano State. If you come to him and say, this is my advice, this is my advice, By goodness, what, what's the harm in doing that? But you cannot go to the public in a, in, a, in a podium and ridicule a government that you are under. You understand? Nobody, nobody in this world will accept insubordination. If you have, a, if you have any anything you want to advise, about, you go and do it. There's no harm in doing that. You understand? If you, or if you can recall, if I can bring, if I can refresh our memory when it all started. You know, the emir went to kaduna and criticized the government condemned the government and on a policy that the government feels will add value to the state if he feels differently about it or or has a different approach to it i believe he could have done that privately with the governor you know and and, and i'm sure the governor will address his concerns okay. so these are the issues that we are saying and I, I i genuinely believe that there is nothing personal not from me and not from the governor or the government of Kano State with regards to that. Everything is now settled. The Emir has accepted his uh, role as the chairman council of uh, Emirs Kano State and the, the, the Emirate council uh, will go. I would love to talk about uh, the, the development that this creation of the four new Emirates will do but maybe I'll give that to you as a date so that you can come <laughs> and invite me next next, next time to, to your new program and discuss that more. No problem,
0: no problem. All right, so so let's move on to some other critical matters now, because I just wanted to get that out of the way, uh, because um, this is uh, for, uh, for the consumption of social media space, basically, and uh, this is where most of these conversations are held, and I felt like if we do not address that, people might, you know, have questions. Um, there's also the, the whole issue of the coronavirus, 19 that's been spread across the world started from the Huan province in the Hubei province in China yeah. and it has found its way to Nigeria, Lagos, precisely. Yes. Now, it, it even you know lasted for 48 hours. For 48 hours, we didn't know as a nation that it had come in. You know, the person actually traveled from Lagos all the way to Ogun State yes. before it was caught by some very incredible doctors. Yes. Now, In other for something like this not to happen here in Kano, I would like to know what level of preparedness we have already in place in a Kano state, because this is one of the most popular states in Nigeria. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There is a contention between Lagos and Kano, but yes.
1: Officially Kano is, so there's no contention. Wonderful. (laughs) Kano is
0: the most popular state in in Nigeria, and if something like this should come into Kano with with the high level of its spreading, what is the level of preparedness for us here in Kano?
1: first of all, let me say that indeed, like you rightly mentioned, Kano is indeed um, um, highly populated, densely populated, and it's also a hub of uh, commercial activities and economic activities, not just uh, in Northern Nigeria, but even uh, a lot of West, um, West African countries like Niger Republic, Cameroon, Chad, and what have you. So indeed, uh, uh, we are at risk, uh, not only that, but we have Uh, an international airport. uh, If I may add, the first international airport in the country, which is mala Kano International Airport, and has a lot of uh, influx of uh, foreign airlines coming into the state, particularly Chinese. They have uh, a lot of uh, businesses and investments in Kano State, uh, which, as as you know, is the ground zero of the coronavirus in China. So, yeah, we have every reason to be scared, but luckily enough, we are up and running. Uh, I can cite you two cases of uh, this type of uh, deadly outbreak, uh, starting with Ebola. Mm-hmm. It was during the era of Ebola that Kano State uh, got uh, its act together. You know, we were so scared of that uh, disease uh, that uh, we sort of, I standing. I uh, know, uh, I mean, an emergency center at Nasara Hospital
0: okay.
1: uh, that uh, deals with uh, an, uh, an Ebola, uh, Ebola outbreak back then uh, and then subsequently now that we have Lassa fever outbreak as well mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and up to this issue current issue of coronavirus uh, you can you can from what we have been able to do in the past that is the way we address the issue of Ebola uh, I remember one time when we had a suspected case in King local government of one woman. It was a sus- suspected case of Ebola. And within 15 minutes, you understand, the authorities were notified, you know, and she was quarantined. And uh, a team was sent to, to her location from, from Kano from the emergency center and, center and Nasra hospital to go and isolate her and, and try to uh, get as many people that she came in contact with just to quarantine them and make sure that it was... Uh, Uh, whether Ebola or not Ebola, unfortunately, uh, it was not uh, Ebola. So I know how effective uh, that emergency center uh, has been. And also to give you another uh, example of how effective uh, the state government has been in terms of addressing outbreaks of uh, this nature is that of Lassa fever. If you remember when there was a case in uh, Vala-Amini Hospital Mm -hmm. of uh, that uh, Lassa fever (coughs) uh, virus, We all know that uh, that was uh, contained immediately. All those that uh, were, came in contact with the patients uh, from, their, from their homes down to the hospital and, and, and you know, they were quarantined and uh, treated. Uh, I think uh, only the two doctors that uh, treated the, the, the first case, which mm-hmm. is the index, index case, uh, were the ones that, that died. But subsequently all others uh, that, came, that were infected were, were treated and cured. As I'm talking to you now, we do not have any case of LASA fever, whether suspected or confirmed. We do not have that it has been brought under under control. And so also the level of preparedness on, on coronavirus. Okay. Uh, you can see uh, the the the, 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 the state government has set up a standing committee, uh, which is called the uh, Emergency Preparedness uh, Response Committee, which is taxed with the responsibility of ensuring uh, strict screening processes at the airport, mm-hmm. you know so that we don't have any suspected uh, uh, victim uh, coming in without being detect- detected. Uh, that is very effective. They are also uh, they've started <coughs> creating awareness to be able to, to to create public awareness on how this disease, Uh, can be prevented you know so they are doing a number we have um, hotlines that have been provided uh, through a press release by the Ministry of Health uh, so that people get to know uh, these numbers uh, I do not have them off head I would have given it to you if I had known that you were going to ask so that people can can jot them down but they are out there they are being aired in jingles and radio stations and they are out there also on social media uh just so people know uh, that who to call or what number to call in case of any suspected case of either uh, corona or any other outbreak for that matter so we are up and running uh, and i need to 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 interest you to know that uh, our state um, so our center for control disease is one of the best in the country and this is uh, 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 up and running in terms of um, uh, checking for Oh, for these viruses and, and, and doing preliminary investigation even at the initial stage, to ensure that uh, it's brought under control. So we are doing a lot and uh, and uh, alhamdulillah so far, so good. All
0: right, wonderful. And I'd also like to uh, put this out there. I'd like to commend you for you know being able to you know relate with people on social media and issue a prompt, or help promptly actually, because I can remember the case of the iron bar Yes. That fell off at um, the just the, the bridge at Obasanjo Road. Yes. Now the day that post was made. You were notified of that post. The yes. next day, I actually went to Obasanjo to try and get some rugs, yeah. and I saw men from the Ministry of Works yes. actually there trying to do something about it. So Absolutely. that's actually highly commendable, and we, we thank you for your prompt response too. Thank you very much. And, uh, we are only doing our job. Oh, wonderful. And just before we go, I noticed um, uh, that there, there's some work being done with the bus stations, bus stations in in Kombotsu for instance, the one at Mariri. Is that something the state government is doing in all local governments or that's just like a pilot piece of work?
1: Yes, so the whole idea is that uh, we have a lot of illegal motor parks. Okay. We have a lot of them uh, all over the state, like uh, the notorious one at uh, the Adobairo flyover which is uh, just beside Mala-Amenikano teaching hospital that one was notorious it was known for their stubborn stubbornness and, and and the difficulty for the government to disband the dispatch them back then disband that particular uh, motor park so the whole idea is that we are not going to have or tolerate any illegal motor park in Karo state because they create uh, they have become some sort of a nuisance they are creating traffic making it difficult for people to move easily and freely and especially on major routes, you know, Uh, not just uh, motor parks, but also markets that are on the streets, uh, on the roads, majorly uh, blocking uh, people from getting their uh, places of business or work and what have you. So the whole idea is that uh, you cannot ban something without providing an alternative. Yes. You know, So the whole idea now is that, uh, just that, that another example is that of the trailer trailers that we have, just along Dongoro, uh, you know, just before you get to the Naiba flyover, you know, trailers, you see them in the hundreds parked along that Dongoru uh, uh, area, and as such, uh, even they are even dangerous, you know, they can cause accidents and what have you. So that particular one has been moved to the new Kano Economic City where they are building the uh, permanent site for them. Yeah, that's the <clears>
0: trailer sir. Pardon? The trailer park you mean?
1: Yeah, the trailer park. Okay. They have a trailer park at Kano Economic City, Dongoro, where those the trailers that park on the main Zarya Road mm-hmm. have now been relocated to inside the park. Mm-hmm. And now the road is clear. Mm. Uh, like I said, we've also cleared the motor park at uh, San... Uh, a uh, Dubai to flyover beside um, Malamuni Kanu Teaching Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also another one at uh, Ungogu, just opposite FGC Kanu. Okay. That one also they, they have not cleared them yet. They are working on the alternative so that they can move them from the road and into the proper park. So that also uh, the one that you mentioned along Kumbozo. And this is the whole idea that proper motor parks should be built so that. You want to board, a, this is what is done conventionally around the world, you know, you want to board a bus to or taxi or car to your, go for a journey, you go to the portal park, you know, you don't just stop anybody on the road, it's even risky, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it poses a security threat to your own life as, a, as an individual, you know, so that's the whole idea, just trying to sanitize the, the state in terms of uh, traffic flow and, uh, and what have you. So that's, uh, that's going to be, it's uh, not going to be in each local government. But it's going to be at least in the metropolitan area. We're going to ensure that uh, uh, motor parks are where they are supposed to be and not just uh, on any road.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Toko. We've been
0: having a chat with the special advisor on new media, Sali Utanku Yakase. This is our first episode of Unplugged, the Mo Usman podcast. My name is Mo. Be well.